This is Star Wars in Character, the podcast that takes a closer look at some of the elements that make up the Star Wars universe. Backstories, histories, and details you never knew, wanted to know, or ever need to know. Now here are this week's panelists of Star Wars in Character. Welcome to this special episode of Star Wars in Character. I am Matt, and we are on what would be a break week, but like we have been doing somehow, by almost some miracle, all of 2015, we do have another special to fill in this break week while we wait to get back to our regular episodes next week. This special is a little different. In fact, it's a lot different than our other specials. There's no real format to it. There's pretty much no structure to it. And what it is, is recordings that I took and made while at Star Wars Weekends at Walt Disney World. I had the pleasure of attending it twice, the first time on May 30th with my good friends Scott Rifen and Scott Gardner from the Two True Freaks Network. In fact, they did a lot of recording while I was there as well, so I encourage you to take a look at the Two True Freaks feed and their web or their Facebook page as well to see when that episode comes out because there's going to be a lot of stuff that they recorded that I did not get in my episode but it's of the same day so I think that's going to be an interesting companion episode to this. Uh, the other day I went was June 13th and there is a bit of a story behind why I went which I did record while I was on my way there and in fact I think I mentioned it at the wrap up of my first day so I'm not going to go ahead and spoil the story right now i'll let it all play out best i can uh if you are not familiar with the live coverage we've done in the past at Neozez on other episodes it's basically kind of what i just laid out we record as we go along and as needed i will chime in with the studio recordings to set up something that didn't get on recording or explain something that might not have come across on the recording so with that we'll get started my day starts very early on may 30th driving out to Walt Disney World and just kind of progresses from there and we'll start that coverage right now. I am on my way to Disney Hollywood Studios for Star Wars Weekends. I have not been to this event in years. I don't even know how long. Uh, I do know it was at least since 2008 because I remember talking about it on a podcast and that's when our first podcast was, but that's the best I can give you. It is quarter after seven nor on any normal day during the week or weekday my first alarm hasn't even gone off i am going really early uh i am meeting scott gardner and scott rifen from the two true freaks network and a bunch of other shows that i will probably list in the studio recording because caffeine is not flowing through my veins quickly enough to even really talk so uh they are this is the, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess kind of first podcast event we've done together. We're all going to be recording. It'll be interesting to see how everything is edited between three different people. But uh, this is, I'm not a morning person. So these guys are, uh, I'll hand it to them. I just got a message saying they're already there and I'm still driving. So uh, I don't know what the hell we're doing up so early. So. Uh, usually my live events recordings start at at the earliest at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So, oh well, this should be fun. I haven't been to this, like I said, in years. Um, it's just 
one of those things I go to every few years because it's not it's more of a Star Wars culture thing which is there's I don't dislike or like it's just not my forte that's more Chris and Tim thing but I also don't go with big Star Wars fans I end up going by myself so it should be a lot more fun than usual for me to be able to discuss what's going on with someone rather than just experiencing it myself so I'm really looking forward to it so this should be fun so uh yeah, I am going to go back to my Red Bull and hopefully make a little more sense and have a little more energy in the next set of recordings. Alright, after missing a turn into the parking lot somehow, still attributing that to the early hour and no caffeine, I am finally now parking at Hollywood Studios and I will credit the guys for one thing for coming so early. It I got in pretty much fastest I've ever gotten in a Disney parking lot, so I will say that worked out for me or us, or that worked out. We'll just say that again. Caffeine. I haven't even cracked open my Red Bull. I mean, that's how little energy I have. I can't even. I don't even have the energy, or I have the morning slothiness of not reaching down and just pulling a little tab and start sipping on my Red Bull so I can be normal. That's how early it is. Oh, well. Okay, that silence there was me watching the parking attendant tell me how close to come to the line. So, I guess I can't talk and watch at the same time. Okay, I'm parked. I'm going to get on the tram. going to meet up with the guys and record some more from there. Now, this is one of those moments where I need to kind of chime in and explain what's going on. Because I thought I had the recording going earlier than I did. But, unfortunately, I did not. What is about to happen in this clip is that I am standing with several hundred, if not thousands of people waiting for the red rope that is keeping everyone from getting into Disney Hollywood Studios and starting Star Wars weekends. And to set the stage, there are two large platforms. They, To give you a visual, they really look like uh, rooks from a chess game. Uh, but with a Star Wars Empire Death Star-y motif to them. And at the top of them are two stormtroopers. And they are bantering back and forth about the all the crowds and everybody coming in and how they're holding them back. So this is the last bit of that. This is what is referred to as rope drop, I learned this past weekend, or this weekend of this recording. And I did manage to get the moment where they did do the rope drop and let everybody in. So that is what's happening in this next recording right now.
Okay, I made it inside Hollywood Studios, but I have not found the Scots yet, so I am going to take a guess and say they headed towards uh, Star Tours. So, tried calling Scott, got his voicemail, but if he's still in the melee of the crowd getting in, he might not even be able to reach into his pocket because it was shoulder to shoulder. So, I'm going to start walking towards Star Tours, give it three, four minutes to give him a call again. Hopefully, run into these guys soon.
Well, that sudden interruption in the Star Tours recording was because Scott finally got a hold of me. So apologies for not getting that whole ride, but uh, I will find a recording of that last bit. A nice, clear recording online. I'm sure it won't be hard to find and share it at the end of this episode. So finally caught up with them. As you may or may not have heard, I don't know. I don't think I recorded before. I couldn't find them, so I figured, well, can't find them. I'll well go on Star Tours and worked out perfectly because he called within the last minute. Just called them. They're at Starbucks getting breakfast. So I'm going to head over there and meet up with them and we'll go from there. Hey, Wonder Wonder. Goodbye. So this next clip is, I'm just going to set it up to explain what it is, because I'm not sure I went into this recording saying what it was. There was a stage show hosted by James Arnold Taylor. It was a very, it was a talk show format. In fact, it looked very talk show-y, to coin a phrase, where he sat behind a desk and there was a couch of guests, much like Letterman, uh, Johnny Carson back in the day. In fact, the late night talk shows now. So it was, it was called Stars of the Saga and James Arnold Taylor's guests for this particular recording were Daniel Logan, which is, of course, young Boba Fett from Attack of the Clones, and Warwick Davis. Uh, I guess, well, I'd say the most prevalent role in Star Wars was Wicked, but he's played a couple of others since then, or at least one. Or two? No, I can think, okay, I'm not even going to sit here and list the ones as they come to mind, and a ton of other stuff. You all know who he is. I didn't really need to preface that. So that is what this following recording is. A lot of it was visual. I cut some of that out just to save time, but there's still a lot of good stuff here. So here is May 30th edition of Stars of the Saga. Yeah, right. Commander. 
imagine him with a triple-bladed lightsaber. That would be quite a sight to see. With three blades, I could take out the rebels three times as fast. Or cut your arms off three times as fast. Not me. Shut up, Skywalker. Adios, Chewbacca. Just call him Hans Solo. Again. Hans Solo. Are you saying Hans? Yeah, Hans Solo. <laughs> no, 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 no. Does anyone else out here think his name is Hans? <laughs> oh, that drives me crazy. So many people say that. Listen up. And listen up good. It is not Hans Solo. It's pronounced
with the freakish vocal range and three first names. James Arnold Taylor. We've had some rain, but it's nice now, right? We're enjoying the Florida, the Star Wars, the weekends, all of it. Are we having a good time? Are we ready to have a great time? My name is James Arnold Taylor. I'm your host of Star Wars Weekends. I'm also a voice actor. So you may not recognize me, but hopefully you've heard me before. Now, that's what people always want to ask. They want to ask all these questions when they find out that you're a voice actor and you do voices in cartoons and movies and video games and things. It's a great life. I love doing it. But the biggest question I get is, have I heard you in anything? To which case I say, well, I've been Jedi's. A Johnny. And a Jack. That's Captain Jack Sparrow. A mouse. A dog. And a cat. I've been a caveman, a leader, a mini-week too, on Guardians of the Galaxy, a Guzzle, and Yondu. In video games, I'm Ratchet, it's true, but now it's a movie coming to theaters near you. I'm Tidus, Spider-Man, Super Surfer, Magneto, Gigi, Prince Charming, Cowabunga, there's Leo, the Millions Army, and a Transformer too. I voice them in games, they're great fun to do. But sometimes celebrities can't provide their own voice, so I step in and give them a choice, like Greg Scott, Christopher Lloyd, or uh, Jay Marichal, Andre the Giant, or Chris Walken, Cowbell, Wow. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Like that stuff that you hear at the end of the show when the credits are near. It's Sunday, Monday, 736 Central Long Fox. In closing, I'm also that voice that comes on. This speaks very fast. First he's there, then he's gone. Okay. Patrick's fires from every turn. He's so for details. Batteries not included. Actually, he's having to consider part of the FBI. He's only his director. Yes, it's all a part of the crazy video that makes up the life of a voiceover joke. Thank you. Thank you. I love what I do. I love doing voices, and I have a show here at the Theater of the Stars, 7 o'clock tonight. It's called Obi-Wan and Beyond. I hope you come out and see it. I don't need to use the Jedi mind trick on you, do I? You will come to see Obi-Wan and Beyond. Anybody seen the show yet? Yeah. Well, be okay. It's a lot of fun. I uh, walk you through my life as a voice actor, a lot of different voices that I've done in cartoons and video games and stuff, and so I hope to see you back here. But right now, we've got a fantastic show. We've got two amazing guests, and... Two other amazing guests that couldn't be here but wanted to say hello. Take a look at the screen. Hi, uh, we are very sorry that we couldn't be with you uh, here for Star Wars Weekend. We're right in the middle of finishing the movie. Not in the middle. I mean, we're. That's okay, right. yes, he's, he, well, he's sort of close to me. No, you're not. We're, because... No, that's true. Yeah. We're not. We're not. Well, we're obviously, we can't be there with you, but we wish we could. And uh, have a great time, and uh, hopefully next time for Star Wars Weekend. And may the Force be with you. Indeed. Ah, uh, yes, the Force is with them. Are we excited about this movie, Mikey? Oh, my God. I feel an awakening. Yes, you are waking up. We have two fantastic guests. Our first guest 
got his start in Star Wars at a very young age. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Logan! <laughs> When do you not enjoy yourself? You seem to always be having fun. Are you uh, somebody that likes to uh, just look at life as a party? Oh, ADHD, man. It's a heck of a life, you know? <laughs> I never focused at one time, so I have multiple... Multiple uh, parties going on yeah. multiple times. You are a, a, a crazy guy. You love to have fun, especially like signing the autographs and stuff. You make it like a contest. <laughs> like always signing with... Have you got Daniel's autograph? Yeah, okay. Tell us about this character, Boba Fett. He's so beloved, and he's kind of a bad dude. Don't you think he's a bad guy? Well, see, the funny thing is, ever since I came into Star Wars world, people always saw Boba Fett as this bad guy. But no one ever realized that there's this middle side of the force, which is all about the money. Which, <laughs> if you're married, you have to be all about the money. <laughs> so I'm kind of like in the middle. I'm not on the dark side, I'm not on the light side. I'm on the side of whoever's got the most money. That's right, he's a bounty hunter. He's a bounty hunter, so yeah, you never know. Okay. He's a hustler, you know? Vader seemed to have the most, the upper hand, I guess we would say, right? Well, I think Boba Fett was the only guy who was allowed to talk back. I mean, when you could put a guy like Han Solo in Carb... Han Solo? Hans, yes, Han Solo. In Carbonite. Um, <laughs> kind of makes you a pretty cool guy. And was it really neat to look back? I know that uh, we talked a bit about this yesterday. You didn't know much about Star Wars when you got the role. You were a young man. How old were you? Uh, 12, 13 years old? Yeah, 12 when I got called for the audition. 13 when I actually filmed the film. Um, you have to be very rich to be a Star Wars fan. Unfortunately. <laughs> Why is that? Because you have to... Yeah. Oh, it's expensive. You know, you see the 501st, the Mandalorians. <laughs> I mean, those costumes that they wear are very expensive. Yeah. I mean, coming and getting autographs and taking pictures, I mean... Have you ever gotten suit up, suited up there in the armor or anything? I did it once uh, at a place called Dragon Con, just for yeah. a charity picture. Um, people know Dragon Con? You guys know what it's called? Crazy stuff. And you did it for charity. That's I did it for cool. charity. But the five of, I mean, the Mandalorian Marks actually at the last celebration just gave me my very first Boba Fett helmet. Really? So I'm kind of feel a little more uh, Boba Fettish now. Do you keep it up like on a on a uh, encased in glass? Oh. Is it special? And... I picked a fantastic place for it in my house, of course. You said a fantastic place. Ah, see what he did there. Fantastic. Everything is fantastic with <laughs> you. That's awesome. And. This character, though, do you, did you get a call from George Lucas's casting people then, and then did you go meet with him beforehand, or did you just get pulled right in and you're on no, set? No, um, the way I auditioned was, because Boba Fett wasn't allowed to be told, uh, wasn't uh, announced that he was actually going to be back in episode two, I had to keep my mouth shut for two years. I mean, you got to think, you're 13 years old. What better way to be able to become the coolest kid in your school yeah. than to tell everyone, hey, I'm a Star Wars. Yeah. You know? And you couldn't tell them. I'm like, oh, you don't want to go out with me? Well, I'm a Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, you want to go out with me now? <laughs> so, uh, it was very, very strange. But, um, and there you were, working alongside yeah. Tamora Morrison as your clone father. Now, they're really the same person, though, right? They're not necessarily father and son. Right. He is a He's an exact duplicate, an unaltered duplicate. See, and I've had this question asked for the last five months, ever since Star Wars was released, uh, that they're coming out with another one. Are you going to be in episode six? Yeah. And I said, well, technically, as a huge Star Wars fan yeah. now, I would be 70 years old. Um, yeah. So that's... And in the Sarlacc pit. And I'd be down in the Sarlacc pit. But if he did get out, if my vision is Jango Fett should be Boba Fett. Because 
as we all know, the end of the cloning process yes. technically would be Jango Fett, right? Oh, okay. Then it would be sure. me. You guys are all like, oh. I'm very confused now. I don't know about it. What an actor. I can kill myself from a job. <laughs> like, no, don't pick me. Pick this guy. Do you have any uh, any good stories in about all these folks? Like, you're hanging out with them. Uh, you were talking about Christopher Lee. Was there something that happened with you and Christopher Lee? So I grew up in, I was 13 when I did Star Wars. So I never really got to know what Dracula was or a little more about what Christopher Lee was all about. But yeah. my grandmother was more like my mother growing up. And it was more like if my mom said no, I turned to my nana, right? My nana said no, I didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, sure. she, uh, she never really geeked out ever. But we're sitting in this dark room at, in the studio in uh, Fox Studios. And she cries like, son, son, do, do, you know, do you know who that is? <laughs> and I'm this little boy, so I'm thinking, I don't know, what, some old man? <laughs> say, no, son, that's Christopher Lloyd. You have to go Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Lee. 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 Although, if it was Christopher Lloyd, that would be quite fun. Right. Right. Okay. I was okay. watching backstage. Django, Bobo. <laughs> yeah. So she sees Christopher Lee, and now, yeah, because she's, she's been taken by him by all of his films he had done you know, for years. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I went up to him, and I approached him. I brought my nana up, and I'm like, hey, Mr. Leon, I'm Daniel Logan. I played Little Boba Fett, and this is my grandma. And she's sitting like, you know that family, exactly. right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, we start talking. He's like, "My boy, uh, is is this your first film?" I said, oh, "Yes, sir. It's my first big film." I said, "Is this your first film?" <laughs> he goes, "No, uh, my boy. I have done over two hundred films." I said, "Oh my God, you must be old." <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> so that went over good. It wasn't really a good introduction for my dad. You know, it's kind of like, okay, kids, shut up, move along. I'm going to have a meeting. Get away from me, son. You're behind me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so then you move on. <laughs> you move on to Clone Wars, and uh, we worked together for the first time in Clone Wars. And that was, uh, that was so great because Boba Fett comes back, and all the various clones, so you got to be various clones in the show. How was that doing voiceover as opposed to the on camera? It was so awesome, you know? I mean, it is so hard to do voice work. I mean, James makes it look easy, but it's so hard. And I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. Every time I went to a convention and I saw Dave Filoni, who's the director, I would try to buy his dinner. I would try to buy his lunch. <laughs> you know, if he, if he was hot, I'd try and get him a water. Yeah. So when I got the call to be in the Clone Wars, as soon as I went on, I'm like, Dave, man, thanks so much. I didn't think that this greasing was really going to get yeah. off, but it worked. <laughs> and he goes, uh, no, actually, Daniel, we didn't know where to go with the Clone Wars series. George Lucas walks into the storyboard room says, I want Boba Fett in the Clone Wars called Daniel Logan. I mean, that's like getting yeah. called to heaven twice. <laughs> you know, like, it is right? awesome. Good memories. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Logan, let's hear it for amazing Star Wars actors here that started at a young age in the world of Star Wars and brought in for their first acting experiences in it. And our next guest is, is no different than that. He's, he's amazing. We know him. We love him. Star of stage, television, film. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Very well, thank you. Very well with my uh, my Ewok bag. 
Yeah. I just want to set out to prove it's not just for the ladies. That's right. <laughs> it's a man bag as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'll tell you why I've got it here though. Just, uh, just like to show you a few things. Um, when we're doing the signings, I don't know about you, but we, we get given a few little goodies. Sure, people like to give you gifts. The yeah. other day, a, a young lady, she, she made this Princess Leia from Loom Bands. Wow. Like that. So it might have can we, bands, can we get a, a shot of that? Can you guys yeah, zoom in on that? Like yeah. That. yeah. Um, and that's like a, is that like a finger puppet? No, no, it's just a little ornament like that. Oh, really? I thought it was And this here, yeah, some guy, he gave me a badge for immigration and customs enforcement. That's <laughs> 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 way out. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's trying to tell me something. Um, yeah. I think sometimes these people just have stuff in their pockets and they sure. go, Ugh. You know, I give them a nice autograph and they feel like they've got to give me something in return. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and one final thing, I wasn't given this, but uh, we bought this. You can get, um, you get Wicket and Lowbray in the cars now. Oh, It's yeah. lovely to kind of be morphed into, into a vehicle. And yeah, you're actually in a car. Yeah. Well, if you set it down, maybe they can zoom in on that. Wicket and Lowbray there, yeah. Can so you guys see that up on the big screens there? That's, so now you know you've made it. Right? Oh yeah, it's exciting. I mean, when you see, when I first saw the Lego minifigure, yes. Wicked, that was exciting. Oh sure. And now there are four minifigures. I'm one of the only actors, I think, is it, um, I forget the other actor's name, he's quite famous. Um, but um, I've got four minifigures. There's a Wicked, a Wald, a Griphook, and a Flitwick minifigure. Really? Man. And it's four. I'm not tied equal with another very famous actor. Really? Just want to say, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I, Keep applause. Just before we carry on applauding me, um, <laughs> I, I bumped into a relative of yours backstage that wanted to say hello. Can I just oh, go first? Oh, sure, yeah. So okay, somebody, great. Wow, yeah. You uh, came on and you just missed him. I'll just go get it. A little surprise. We Hold weren't expecting, get expecting this, but uh, it was very exciting. Ward Davis is uh, a man of, of, of many... <laughs> <laughs> Now this was one visual I left in recording, and I'll explain it real quick because it's really funny. Warwick Davis went off stage and tossed a Django Fett helmet onto stage, much like the scene in Attack of the Clones. And Daniel Logan followed it up by picking it up, kneeling down, and putting his head against the helmet again, recreating his iconic scene from the movie. Oh. Well, he, can, he, can, he can take a seat on the couch, too. That's fine. Yeah, there you go. You have a big show happening right back here at 515 called An Ewok's Tale. Anybody seen yeah. An Ewok's Tale? If you haven't seen it, even if you have seen it, come back and see it again. 515 today. It's going to tell your whole story. What, what exactly? Yeah, I, I tell my life story, basically, in, in a show, but using a variety of uh, different techniques. There's, yes. there's video, there's... There's interactive elements, and um, and you know if you come to the show, you may even get the chance to be in it as well. That's so, right. Yeah. Your director is a great guy. He's a bit eccentric, but he's, I, <laughs> yeah. I bring him over from Britain to direct the show, and he uh, he's he's a good guy. And he casts the show right here within the theater. So uh, yeah, if you get lucky, you may you get to be part of it. So come get a seat, get here early, and the director comes out. He, he finds people, pulls them out, literally at random. And uh, a lot of fun. We have some fun. A lot of fun. In Ewok's Tale, 515, who's coming back? Come on. Thank you. Speaking of so many of these roles, we have, uh, of course, Wicked. I mean, it goes without saying, Wicked. And you'll cover that in an Ewok's Tale. But you got that role when you were 11 years old. I did, yeah. Pretty fantastic to be asked to be in Star Wars, yeah? Oh, it was amazing, yeah. I mean, I, I was, was a fan of the films, and so to... To get to be a part of that alongside my on-screen heroes was 
is just a dream come true. And sure. Still to think of it now, I mean, we're, we're over 30 years away from that moment. Yeah. Oh, that's what my mum said, yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just changed my life. But look yeah. at us, you know, we're all part of, of Star Wars in, a, in our own way, and um, yeah. we're all enjoying that still. I mean, it's an amazing cultural phenomenon. It's fascinating it? stuff. And then, yeah, and so then you move on, though, yeah. and you get the acting bug. Did you just go, this is what I want to do? Well, you know, not really. I mean, that, a lot of the time when you're working on a movie, you spend sitting around just waiting, doing nothing, and yeah. I became more interested in how they make films as opposed to acting, per se. So yeah. uh, I bought a video camera and I started making short movies, and um, that's really what interested me, but I kept getting offered parts in, in films, Labyrinth and the Ewok movies, yeah. uh, and then Willow, so it was, it's a career that kind of Willow? just kept discovering me as opposed to me pursuing it. Yeah. Um, but then uh, there was a point when I... I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do and, and really then started to try and hone the craft of acting. Yeah, now did Willow really kind of give you that experience? I mean, obviously we're still working with George, but then Ron Howard comes in and, yeah. and you start seeing, oh, this is a pretty exciting thing. Because at that point, how old were you? 18? Oh, I was 17 when I did Willow. And um, yeah, I mean, that was a tough film. It was very physically demanding and it was the first film that I'd done where, you know, it is about me and the performance as opposed yeah. to being hidden behind a mask, which you know, again, is, is a performance in itself, but it's a very different type of acting. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Ron asked me, he said, to, you know, watch the films that, that James Stewart has done. Because yeah. I like his style of acting, try and bring a little bit of that quality, that naturalistic style in your performance. So uh, that's hopefully what I managed to do. But it's amazing, again, Willow is, is over 25 years old, and I saw many people today who enjoyed the film and yeah. asked me to sign the DVD. So thank you very much for still supporting the film. It's Absolutely, great. yeah, it's fantastic. And Harry Potter comes along, yeah, and, uh, and then you get to play several characters in that, and not always, you know, behind. No, I mean, I, I, I did have a degree of prosthetics for for all of the characters, but um, it was just a privilege to, to get into it. I had to audition to, to get the first role as Professor Flitwick. I, I remember the audition process. It was it was with uh, Chris Columbus, who directed the first film, and the producers, and, and I learned the scene, as I always do for an audition. I read the book quickly to make sure I understood the character, and sure. went in, and, and we just performed the scene, the Wingardium Leviosa yeah. scene. But then we started to improvise, and had a lot of fun, there was a lot of laughter, and I went away, and. Uh, they said, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> and, um, and I waited three weeks to find out. Three weeks? But yeah. when they did call, they said, uh, congratulations, you know, we'd like you to play Flitwick. But, but also, uh, we'd like you to play the part of the Goblin Bank Teller in Gringotts. So I they got two roles in the same film. Really fantastic stuff. Isn't it great? I, I just, I love Thank the you. fact that you did that. Speaking of all these characters, yeah. and Marvin and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I love as well, do you have a favorite, I don't think I've ever asked you, do you have a favorite character? Well, you know, I mean, not just saying because we're here at Stars Weekend, but <laughs> Wicket is, I'm very fond of that character because he is the one that started it all. Without that character, I wouldn't have any others, but sure. I just some highlights, I love playing um, Porridge in Doctor Who, that character for me is... Thank you. He was a, a dream job. I always wanted to be in Doctor Who, and, and it was a really, really good character as well, so I, I love that. Um, I mean, I like Life's Too Short playing... I was just play. about to ask you. So, Life's Too Short, I don't know if anybody's seen this, you play a very special character. Who do you play in? I play Warwick Davis. <laughs> He's a version of me. I, I kind of, and I got to live out my, my kind of... I got to do everything I wouldn't normally do as this Warwick. Kind of yeah. Be a bit obnoxious. 
He's I think yeah. it's bitter and, and just had a lot of fun with it. I it mean, is a great show. Cool. And that's you and Ricky Gervais come together and this is what happens when yeah. you, you put something together. Well, right? yeah, that's right. I mean, it came about just through being asked to do reality shows and not wanting to do it and, and thinking, well, why don't I create one? And then thinking it'd be fun to twist reality <laughs> and, and come up with a show um, that um, is, is more of a comedy. And, and that's what happened. We have a clip, actually, uh, from... Life's Too Short. Do we have that one set? Let's take a look at Warwick Davis in Life's Too Short. Mr. Val Kilmer is stopping by. Well, this yours? Uh, no, no, I just went to you here. I had to downsize recently for efficiency. Have you got a uh, secretary? Yeah. I've got a routine that I, I always do. It kills. Okay. Right, just to say. This part for you here, Cheryl. But mom? Right, but uh, who's behind the mask? It's not just any person. It is a person though, it's not the real Batman, that's a comment. Yeah, you're right, uh, but it's who's under the mask that's a surprise. It's someone who played Batman in the films. What films? The Batman films, have you seen those films? Yeah. Good, right, so who is it? Christian Bale. No, no, no. Michael Keaton. No. Is it George Clooney? No. I love George Clooney. No, it's not George Clooney. Oh, I wish it was George Clooney. <laughs> Who else played Batman? Adam West. Adam West, he's about 85. Yes, again. I've never done the Batman. They haven't. Who else is there? Is it the cartoon version? Don't even know what that means. Batman. Oh, it's embarrassing. Sorry about this, pal. Oh, I said his name. So you got Mal. Who is it? Is it Michael Keaton? Yeah, take it off. <laughs> it's Val Kilman. You're an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lord Dickens! Fantastic. You guys are always so kind to play. You guys want to play some games? We did, we did a little game yesterday. We played good guy or bad guy. Oh, that was fun. You guys saw some Star Wars pictures yesterday. Are you ready, though? Because it was a bit of a contest between yeah, the two. Yeah, we were competitive. And I, I think you might have won, Work. I'm sorry, Dan. But I'm giving you a chance to redeem yourself because we're going to put, we got a new game, a new game to test your midi-chlorian count. Ooh. What do we got, guys? We've got It's the midi-chlorian countdown. Midi-chlorian countdown. Here's how it works. And I have to get some more <laughs> no, no samples required, no. Uh, okay, so I'm going to show you either a picture, ask you a true or false question, or just a question about Star Wars in general. And you need to then respond with the correct answer. Okay. Whoever gets the most of these has the highest midi-chlorine count. Simple. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> how did you place me against... Warwick Davis? Did, did you not see him yesterday? The, yeah, the mind of Star Wars, everything. Yeah, I'm an HR. Can I have a, at least a team member? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure. We got somebody in the crowd that knows a lot about Star Wars. Someone, yeah? Where's Chris? Okay, you, sir, right here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you with the headband. Perfect, you're up. Come on. Come on up here. Thank you, Warren. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a, uh, like a microphone, like a hand mic that we can bring over here. Yeah, he, he can just talk yeah. into my ear. Sure, come on up carefully. Hold on to the rail. Safety, safety is first here at Disney. All right. How are you, sir? 
Good, good. Okay, yeah, I see you again. Uh, what, what's your name, sir? Blake. This is Blake, everybody. Come on, Blake. Join us. All right, you go over there. Come on, Blake. All right. All right, so we have to touch the helmet. Okay, so Blake, do you know a lot about Star Wars? Do you know a lot about Star Wars, Blake? No, do you know about Star Wars? Do you know? Okay, good. He does. Got a bad feeling. No, I'm on my own. All right, here we go. One so, brain against two. One brain against two. One and a half brain. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's play the mini chlorine countdown. Okay. So first, I'm going to show you a picture. Yes. And you guys remember your little sounds? Oh, we got a buzz in. Yeah. Aluga. Aluga. Here you go, Blake, there's a mic for you. How about we touch the helmet? First one to touch the helmet. Okay. okay. Alright. So you must say your little sound. This is going on far too long. I'm gonna okay. say the Uga. And the okay. mine's uh oh, TV. Okay. Alright. Ready? Take a look at this picture. Come on. TV. Okay, work. It's Watto. That's Watto! Watto! One for work! I thought you meant to be on my team, Blake. Here's a question. True or false? Stormtroopers are clones. True. Oh, okay. okay, you guys buzz in first. Technically, no. The first ones were, but the later ones aren't. So you're saying, you're saying false. Hey, hey, no, 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 no. Let's not get technical. Let's play it safe. Yes, no, no, no. Daniel, Daniel, let him answer. You say false, right? And that is... Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Here's another question. Which Jedi ordered the clone army? Okay. Yes, Daniel. Do you know? No, no. I'm just asking. Technically, it's a mess. Do you know the answer? Mess. I think I know the answer. Okay. I do. I believe I know. Here, wait. Work. Oh, work. Tell me the answer. Did you answer it? Not really. Hey, somebody very close to you. No. Oh. No, he was the one to come check on it. Okay, go ahead. I believe right, it was Ma Master Sifo-Dyas. Sifo-Dyas! Okay! Oh. I mean, I wouldn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> have you tried the Sifo-Dyas? They have it over at the Brown Derby. The little Sifo-Dyas from the little spot. <laughs> okay. Look like I'm going to lose. Okay, okay. Another, we got another picture. Another picture. And... Do we have it? Yes! OTD! Okay. Warwick. That is... Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That is... What's the name? Oh, wait, hang on a minute. You have plenty of time. Wait a minute. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, what, what am I doing? It's... Oh, Snice Noodles. Yes. Oh, he's dead. I did great. I had no chance against that. True or false? True or false? Jango Fett is Boba's son. That is false. That's right. One for Daniel Logan. Okay, he's just close. Who's your daddy? Okay. I know my daddy. I'm ready. ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Because you've got, I mean, you got, this is, okay. This is still close, though. That's it is crazy. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Who was born first, Luke or Leia? Hey, hey, that's my hand. I have a chance to touch. <laughs> no, no, I don't even have to Okay, all right. Okay, who was born first? Yes. I believe it was Leia. Yep. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think we have to go to work. I wonder. I think was it Luke. How fast did the Millennium Falcon make the Kessel Run? That was close. You touched it first, but yes. he made the sound. I didn't really get the sound out. I think it's time. We should just both enter that. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Twelve points. Oh. Twelve parsecs. Twelve points. 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 Twelve points.
Wait, did we both lose or what did we what? win? Actually, technically you're all wrong. Because it was less than 12 parts. Uh -oh. It's as though I had it on a card. Okay. True or false? Obi-Wan killed Darth Maul. Eh. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Well, was it Obi-Wan or was it Liam Neeson? Get on off the Liam Neeson. Well, did he kill him? Technically, no. That's right. Oh, come on, you get both. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love this okay. technical guy. Final, final, final one. We have a photo, okay? A photo, a photo. Now you have to get who it is. Oh. Okay. Hey, I don't know. All right, next, next picture. Is it Jeremy Bullock? I don't know. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know? Anybody? Anybody? No uh, chance. Uh, he's probably a Jedi. Uh, yes. it, it is Jedi. Space Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, Obo Beardy. <laughs> it's Opal Rancisis. Okay. Alright. How are we doing? Who's, who's got what? Are they tied? Are they tied right now? I think they're tied. Yeah, okay. sounds good to me. Okay, final question. What caused Han Solo to go blind? Alty! Yeah. Careful. I it was RTD2. Alright. What was it? Shh. What was it? What's the, okay. It was hibernation sickness. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Mark Davis. Yeah. I think we took it in the highest point. So that is the coverage of day one. We're going to go into day two here very shortly, but there was one more thing I recorded that I wanted to share on this episode, and it's because there was a bit of a... Mm, Almost not quite heated, but a discussion between Dave and I on the last episode of Stars and Character about this particular ride. It's called The Great Movie Ride. His favorite ride, and I think all of Orlando, not mine. That's all I'm going to say. Not my favorite ride. But to kind of illustrate where our differences of our opinion are, I put together a recording of the ride. Again, just the audio. There's there's a lot of visuals that there was kind of dead audio space you'd say in recording that i took out so here is the truncated audio version of the ride and i'll let you as a listener decide for yourself what your opinion is of the great eh, movie ride welcome aboard at this time i'd like to ask everyone to please remain seated throughout the show and please keep your arms hands feet and legs inside the vehicle at all times Oh, don't forget to supervise your children. And for the safety of our cast, we ask that you please refrain from the use of flash photography and external video lighting. Now that we're taking care of business, let's talk about me. My name is Rachel, and I'll be your guide for this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for me because, well, movies. Is everybody ready? Great, because the cameras are ready to roll. Ready when you are, CB? Rolling. 
those wallets and purses, folks. This doesn't look like a very good neighborhood. Here's the birthplace of the Gangsterville, the seedy underbelly of Chicago from The Public Enemy, starring James Cagney. Released in 1931 before strict censorship rules were enforced, The Public Enemy is a gritty, realistic, and violent look at the world of gangsters of the Depression era. In one famous scene, James Cagney shoves a grapefruit into May Clark's face. She can never look at breakfast the same way again. Sorry about the delay, folks, but I don't want to run a red light, even in the movies. I'm not allowed to leave my vehicle. I think it's time for a visit to a concession stand. Bye. Mr. Osborne, wait. Um, okay, Muxy, whatever you say. Everybody just sit tight. Running a red light's against the law, and I'd never break the law. Hey, lady, watch this. No more red light. making my getaway. Give my regards to the warden, suckers. Hey, what are you looking at? Everybody minds your P's and Q's, and maybe you won't get hurt. Well, this must be the west side of town, huh? Western films depict the legendary American wild frontier, where cowboys and their loyal steeds maintain order in towns against the untamable wilderness. Now that we in the clear, this is the perfect time for me to collect up all your valuables. There he is. It's the bank robber! Don't let him get away! Hey! I don't even like this neighborhood. Well, look at it this way. It can't get any worse. Okay. It's worse. I don't know about you guys, but this is starting to get kind of creepy. Where are we? Jersey? Science fiction has been a staple of classic movies, from George Melies' The Trip to the Moon to George Lucas's Star Wars. In 1979, director Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver made audiences believe that in space, no one can hear you scream. This is Amy. Hey, cupcake. How do we get out of here? Look out! What is that thing? There it is again. Yeah. Okay. That's enough creepy crawly hang so one day. Right. Wrong. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas cemented their status as the Blockbuster Boys with their first partnership. Here from that legendary collaboration is Harrison Ford as archaeologist Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Snake. 
to be snakes. A priceless jewel that beckons to all, but be warned, the temptation always leads to destruction. Wow, get a load of that chunk of ice. Time for me to get back to work. Good thing I don't believe in ghost stories. They don't nobody move while I go get the goods. I don't think they'd notice a few extra bodies around here. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I've seen enough movies to know that you really shouldn't even think about trying to steal that jewel. Halt, unbeliever. Disturb the treasure of the gods and you shall all pay with your lives. Folks, sing. Which way do we go? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Now, what am I thinking of? Sing along, folks. You know the words. On behalf of Disney's Hollywood Studios and Turner Classic Movies, we'd like to thank you for joining us on the Great Movie Ride. Now, please remain seated until we come to a complete stop. Please gather your belongings and take small children by the hand. When these doors open, rise dramatically to your feet and make a grand exit directly to the rear of the vehicle. Oh, and one more thing. When I yell action, don't forget the thunderous applause for yours truly. Okay, places everybody. And action. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Hey. We don't serve their kind here. Okay, with that out of the way, we are moving on to day two. The setup is much the same here as far as the presentation of recording, so we'll just get right to it, starting with me on my way to the park. This is the start of my second trip to Star Wars Weekends. I am currently in a much longer line in the park than I was last time I went because it's a much more reasonable time in the morning. It's actually 9.30, still a little earlier than I like to start my Saturdays, but I am about to pay for parking, go park, go into the into the uh, park itself, into Disney Hollywood Studios, and then it's going to be a lot of standing around today. I'm going to stand around for a good spot on the parade, and then go stand around and wait for a show. I'm actually going to check out the line about two hours before, and I'm pretty much anticipating waiting in that line for two hours. So hearing all this, you're probably... And if you've heard me talk about going to theme parks and waiting in lines in general on other shows before, you're probably thinking this is like the culmination of all the things I hate to do. And it kind of sort of is, but I've also said in the past when a special occasion comes up, I'm willing to do them. And I thought pretty much the entire week after the, my last visit to Star Wars Weekends, do I want to try to come see Frank Oz? And I finally decided yes, because it may not happen again in my lifetime. Or conversely it may happen every star wars weekends from now until the end of time but i couldn't miss the opportunity to take that chance so that's what i'm here for to see frank oz first in the parade then hopefully at the show if i can get in and uh that's what i'm doing i kind of cut myself short there because that was my turn to pay the line actually moved pretty damn quick so i'm not sure what i was saying there's something i was going to add to that oh yes 
Um, hopefully, when I said hopefully see Frank Oz at the show, it's not so much getting it. Well, it is part of getting in, but I think in a case of bad timing, almost as bad as the Expedition Never's Challenge, I think I'm getting a bit of a cold. So if for some reason I can't, I don't have the energy or just can't physically stand around till the show. The show's not till 5.15. It's 9.30 now. If I can't stand and wait for the show and I have to go home, I do want to at least catch a glimpse of them and get some pictures of them in the parade. So that is, that's my, uh, I guess my primary goal. My first goal. They're both primary. So anyway, that is that for now. I'm being guided to parking. I it almost looks like I'm parking in the same area I was in last time I was here. I, I am. That How can that happen? I'm two hours later than last time, and I'm in the same lot. Almost the same row. One row over. Uh, they must have started parking at a different lot last time. Weird. Okay, that's just a little side note and a little tie into my last visit here. So I'll be back with some more, or at least with some more recordings of the event. Okay, I'm in, and I am actually 10 minutes ahead of my schedule, so I am going to find a spot to plant myself for the parade and record what I can from there. I know recording a parade is not a great audio thing, but maybe I can get the celebrity announcements, and that'll be that'll be something. We'll see. Uh, you'll find out pretty soon, actually, like right after this.
because again I can't put them in order of importance has been met I did get to see the parade actually got a real good spot to see the parade and a good view tons of pictures they will be on newsaz.com and most of all saw Frank Oz and I'm going to be at a real loss to explain the feeling I had when I saw him but I had an uncontrollable ear to ear grin uh, there's a, just so many pieces of my fandom came together at once the the eight-year-old watching uh, the Muppet, or I guess younger than a five-year-old watching the Muppets, the ten-year-old watching Empire Strikes Back, the teenager or young adult falling in love with Star Wars all over again, uh, the young adult and uh, aspiring indie filmmaker of seeing the director, a director idolized. I don't know. Oh God, just unbelievable moment. I want to record an official uh, instant reaction. This is it. I don't know if it's making any sense. Don't know if it's worth listening to, but I will definitely put it in because yeah, I had I officially reached an all-time high uh, on my fandom on so many things all at once. It was incredible. I I'm definitely going to try to go see his show, but at the very least, I saw him with my own eyes, which really didn't expect to do really anytime. So another one of those bucket lists that I didn't know was on my list completed. So that's it for now. I'll come back with something in a bit. Okay, enough fanboying. I'm in a theme park, cannot resist, going on a few rides. So I'm headed to one of my favorites outside of Star Tours, Tower of Terror. I'm going to try to record it. I've not tried recording on this ride before. Not sure what there is to hear, but we'll fight out together. I am getting in line as we speak.
This, as you may recognize, is a maintenance service elevator, still in operation, waiting for you. We invite you, if you dare, to step aboard, because in tonight's episode, you are the star. And this elevator travels directly to the Twilight Zone. Welcome everyone to the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Just a moment, the elevator will be dropping in, taking to our rooms, and our rooms only, I assure you. We're loading in one row at a time, your seatbelts will be on your left hand side. Please hold tightly on to anything or any one you wish to keep today. For your safety once on board, please remain seated with your seatbelts fastened, keeping your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the elevator at all times, and do take special care to supervise your children. Thank you. Estimados, nice
Just had a wonderful experience of meeting some listeners as I was getting off Tower of Terror, and I definitely want to give them a shout out before I forget. So if I don't get it in the studio, I want to do it in recording. This just happened minutes ago. So James, Michael, and Katie, thank you for seeking me out. Actually, uh, they sent me a message over Facebook. We're, we're friends on Facebook, and they uh, saw a picture I posted of the parade and said they're in Tower of Terror. I just happened to be in Tower of Terror, so. Met them in the gift shop about five minutes after I got off the ride. Really cool people. Thank you again for stopping and saying hi. Thank you again for sending me that message. Uh, that was really cool. So uh, I came straight out of Tower Terror and went to one of the Star Wars weekend, uh, I guess, bars where they're serving two specialty drinks. They're serving the Endor and the Alderaan. And oh, I realize I'm on the same device that the uh, ingredients are on. So I'm going to try to read the ingredients here as I'm recording. The Endor has uh, Midori, I think it's pronounced Blue Kurokawa. I remember using Blue Kurokawa, if that's how you say it, on a blue milk drink on one of our episodes. Uh, Apple Pucker, Sweet and Sour, and that is the Endor, I think I said. Uh, The Alderaan is Bacardi Black, uh, Blue Kurokawa again, Cranberry, and that's it. Uh, And that is what I got because the other one sounded a little too tart and sour for me, but I'm not a big fan of Cranberry either, but I went with the Alderaan, so I'm going to try it right now. Actually quite tasty. I'm surprised. um, You get the uh, cranberry, a little bit of the, just a touch of the sour, but I guess the blue Kurokawa and the rum kind of take the edge off it. So this is actually quite good, and it's full ice, and it's hot out, so this is perfect. So, yeah, uh, that was a pleasant surprise. Coolest part is it came with a glow cube, which is an X-Wing. This will go on the desk behind me for all the video work we do so keep an eye out for that uh, to appear soon in fact I'll probably play with it and I know Christy on we're bored so that's it for this report I'm on to the next alright just had lunch in fact the exact same lunch I had last time when I was here a bacon cheeseburger soda this time I had a Darth Vader cupcake because it was chocolate and peanut butter and what better dessert can you ask for so now I am getting in line for Frank Oz that'll be about an hour and 45 minute wait in line but I can't miss this but I'm in line with a really good friend. First name Sam, last name Adams. Middle name Cold. These are the best jokes I got when I don't have Dave here setting me up, so this is what you get when it's a solo show. So, All right, next recordings you hear should be the Frank Oz show, which I am extremely excited about, so that'll be up next. No blasters! No blasters! This now leads us up to the highlight of the entire event for me from both days and the reason I went the second day. It is the stage show... A conversation with Frank Oz, hosted again by James Arnold Taylor, and of course featuring Frank Oz. I did get a recording of it. It's not the best quality of all the recordings you heard. In fact, it's probably the worst. It's not unlistenable, but it's all the recordings you've heard, this is the least in quality. But it's a very intriguing, very exciting, very informative interview, something I really, really enjoyed listening to and really wanted to share. So while it's not the best quality... Of the recordings I'm sharing in this episode, I still want to make sure it's available for anyone that wants to hear it to listen to it. So I do apologize. 
for the quality. I did the best I could with the equipment I could bring with me and where my seat was, and it's an outside theater. All these things were kind of working against getting a real high-quality recording, but it is listenable, and I, I again, it's something I want to share. So I will apologize one more time for not getting a better recording, but I did the best I could, and here is that fantastic interview with Frank Oz. celebration of all things Star Wars here at Disney, and we are so grateful to the folks at Disney for doing this, aren't we? How many people have here been here? Were you here last week? The week before? Guess what? We're going to top it all right now. It is such a privilege, such an honor to welcome our guest for a very, very special conversation. If you were here yesterday, you got kind of part one of it. We're just going to keep going here and ask him some more wonderful questions before we bring out this tremendous actor, performer, writer, director, producer. Let's take a look at him in action on the screen. Scared. Teaching Bernice here how to play checkers. Your move, Bernice. Bernice? Yes! Now to our story! Big time showbiz! Ah! Ah! Waka waka waka! Your card luck! Take the last switch and get on here! Uh, hi there, Mr. Oz. Um, uh, are, are you by chance in relation to Frank Oz?
Star Wars exclusive, uh, Star Wars Weekend's exclusive. This is amazing that you would sit down with us and talk about your career, your, your life. And, your work. and I, I hope that, that you can take some of that in because, you know, you're a very humble man, but uh, you deserve all of this. So, yeah. I might come off as humble, <laughs> but I know what I do, I do very well. But, and I do, and I love what I do, but, but it's not modesty, it's just honesty. Yeah. It's just that I don't do it alone. Yeah. No one does it alone. Right. I, I, I have, you know, for CG, I do the voice. These, the animators work for like two years, 20, 30 of them. So I get the credit. And with the Muppets, I have to work with other performers. So, you know, and I have to create characters that way. In order to have a full character, you have to work with somebody else. And there's a writer, and there's Jim Henson, and there's George Lupin. So, I'm not saying that I'm, uh, that I don't do good work, because I, I have to believe in myself. Yeah. You do not do alone. There's no such thing as a self-made man. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Very important. So, so yesterday, you touched on, uh, quite a bit of your career in the, in the beginnings and growing up with puppetry in your life, but also being somewhat, I don't know, if, uh, a reluctant puppeteer would be the right way of saying it, but it wasn't necessarily your plan. You said, you know, you weren't, you weren't a math scholar, so you went to journalism, and that was your plan was to be a journalist? Right. I mean, I, puppeteering was actually a savior. I, uh, I'm sorry? We've got some journalist fans, I guess, here. Journalist! One Woo! journalist fan! <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way the world's going. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, puppetry was a, a, a great way for me to express myself in a safe manner because I, as I said last night, I, as a kid, had very low self-esteem. I have a feeling that many people here as kids and adults have low self-esteem and it's, it's a waste of time, guys. It really is. Just accept yourself and you're good enough. Yeah. You know? yeah. That in mind, and, and then meeting, of course, we, we covered yesterday, you know, meeting uh, Jim Henson at 17, but then going to work with him in New York at 19, and becoming a part of this amazing ride that we know now as Sesame Street and the Muppets and all these wonderful characters, which we'll touch on in a moment. What, what motivated you as a kid? What, you know, so like we, all of us here, we loved what you did. And that's what is, is inspired us. What inspired you when you were growing up? Who, who were the characters, the actors, the performers that inspired you? I was a television child. Uh, I, 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 
watching television, a lot of television, so much from Lucille Ball to to uh, Jerry Lewis to uh, you know Sammy Davis, all that showbiz stuff yeah. is what was exciting to me, and I and actually that's a great deal where Fozzie comes from, that aspect of me, the showbiz. Uh, but I, I think that's where I, I got it from. And I can't tell you exactly why I was excited by it. Neither can you why or you why you're excited about what you're doing. But it just it just is. So that's my background is really television stuff. That's great. Do you mind taking a couple of questions? We asked uh, some folks here to write down questions. Sure, and we've got sure, sure. here, and I know sure. that you would like to do that. So, okay, let's see. Um, okay, Rachel from Tampa asks us Star Wars question. Rachel, where are you? Are you here in the... In the in hey! The there you are, Rachel. Let's hear it for Rachel, huh? For Frank Oz right here, Rachel from Tampa, asked, what was the challenge about working on Star Wars? Oh, that was actually, that was a huge challenge, and it was a very exciting challenge, because as I said yesterday, uh, it didn't come to me for Yoda, it came to Jim Henson, and Jim is the reason I'm here. I mean, he's one who all gave me all the opportunities and all the support, and Jim said, yeah, right. Jim, knowing he was the head of a company, didn't have time, and also knew that I had some strengths uh, in certain areas, he suggested me. But the actual, uh, and I saw some designs, and I thought I really felt good about the character. But it, it was something that had never been done before. Uh, it was it was a very, you know, everything is CG now, not everything, but a great deal. And so seeing characters come alive. You know, it's it's computer, but when you do it physically, when there's a physical being, and you've got to try and have that physical being transcend what it really is physically, just to make it really live alive. That's 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 a challenge, and, and I, I guess that that the biggest challenge to answer your question is just making that small character not only come alive, but just be transcendent and be more than you think what you see. You know? Yoda that was, was certainly more than what we uh, could have ever imagined, I think. And I would say probably the most influential character in the world of Star Wars. I think that most people would agree. I mean, he's, yeah, Yoda is the best. <laughs> he's the master. He's the But as I said yesterday, just be aware, again, this is, this is again, not me being a modest at all. Being honest is that if Mark wasn't there and didn't connect with Yoda, you wouldn't believe in Yoda. Yeah, so that's a, a great tribute to Mark Hamill, of course, as you know, he's star author. And as I told Frank yesterday, I'll tell you again, he said the same thing about you, <laughs> being Yoda. And so that's the sign of two very, very, very uh, non-humble men. But, um, <laughs> you know, what was really great yesterday was we talked a bit, we were or backtrack and go back to the Muppets a bit, you broke down the character of Bert for all of us. And you mentioned something afterwards. You said, you know, if you want to talk about these characters, sure. I would love to take you up on that. Sure. So we did talk about Bert, but so if I go down a list of someone, can you just kind of give us some insight on these characters that, well, I have to tell you, the next one is the first puppet I ever owned. And, uh, you know, I've told you this uh, here, but... You were very influential in my life. I, I started as a stand-up comic and performer and dreamed about being a performer my whole life. 
And The Muppet Show was where I learned about comedy, along with Bugs Bunny and Steve Martin. So the three of you really <laughs> paved the way for me and my, my career. And Animal was the first puppet I ever had. <laughs> so what's the deal with Animal? Well, you know, when Jim created uh, Dr. Teeth Band, uh, which is Dr. Teeth um, on, on keyboards, uh, Floyd on, uh, on bass, uh, Janice on guitar, and, uh, and Zoot on sax, then there's a drummer. And, and uh, I forgot how it was done, but, but I, I, how Animal came about with me inside was I, I've always seen Animal's primeval, you know? And he's very dangerous, that's why he's chained. Uh, he's got to be chained with drums, you've got to be very careful. Uh, and the only person he listens to is like a dog when he listens to Floyd. Floyd's the only one who can take control. But for me, you know, Animal is, uh, is really, you know, Animal is, Animal goes out at night. <laughs> like wandering around the railroad yards. <laughs> And you do not know where he really went, and you do not want to know where. <laughs> you just don't want to know where he went. And you know he eats glass. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really. I love that age. And the thing about Animal is, I have three-dimensional characters, which people always work towards having three-dimensional characters, like Piggy, for instance. But Animal, on purpose, is two-dimensional. He's monosyllabic. And if he was three-dimensional, he wouldn't be as much as dangerous. Yeah. You understand him more, but because you don't know what he's going to do, and they don't understand him, he's not three-dimensional, he's two-dimensional, uh, and he's not as deep, he's just, you know, he's just, he's, he's, okay, animal to me is, I may have to say a word here, just man, that's not appropriate, okay. but animal always has been five words to me, which is uh, drums, food, sex, sleep, and pain. Okay. <laughs> you got animal. Yeah. Okay. Animal. yeah. Okay. Okay, he rock and roll. And there's a little animal in all of us. That's what I love about it. Just, well, I just, yeah. every, every character we do, Jim, Nate Bowles, Drake Nelson, everybody, they're all aspects of us yeah. uh, exaggerated and filtered through our prof professional uh, abilities. I know, I'm eating with you. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, no, okay. Sam the Eagle. Okay. Uh, I know who Sam is, but Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell created a different Sam. They created a Sam on the program who is a patriot. He's an American. He is. Yeah. But for me, Sam is a lost soul. Sam is in his late 40s, early 50s. Uh, his wife flew the coop. His daughter married an owl. <laughs> He could never get past that. <laughs> and he was left alone. And he was all alone until he found these weirdos. <laughs> and once he found these bubble weirdos, he took it upon himself to be the only one who could be morally right, to lead them the morally right way. Yeah. And, that, and the truth is, his place there comes from loneliness. Yeah. He's a reality star nowadays, isn't he? I mean, you can see his own show. He, he, Sam could have his own reality show. I don't know how to answer that. Okay. <laughs> see, you're describing like so many people. That's oh, well, no, I, yeah. I've got to believe it. I've got to know how they feel and everything. You know, they yeah. usually characters come from an emotion. Like, you know, Kiki comes from pain. That's why she's funny. 
ample, and, and, uh, and uh, ample statements, but Sam comes from Wolfens. Yeah, but he has all these layers, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah I He has to for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, Fozzie Bear. Well, Fozzie comes from a little kid in me who would watch uh, all the television shows. He would watch, I would watch, you know, the Jerry Lewis movies, the Happy Costello movies. That's where Fozzie comes from for me. And I, and I, I love those things. And so, uh, and Fozzie, all Fozzie wants to be, he just has one goal in mind. All he wants to be is the funniest bear in the world. That's all. <laughs> and Fozzie tried comedy in the caves with the other bear. And they start sleeping. <laughs> they, he didn't know it was hibernation. He just thought it was hibernation. <laughs> and so he went out in the world and he tried to be a comedian. He just couldn't. And he, he, will, he will always try to be funny, but he will never succeed. <laughs> but he doesn't know that. There's nothing in the world that will stop Fozzie from trying to be funny. And that's, that's endearing to me. You know? and that, and he is a, he's very insecure. Guess what, insecure. And that's why he needs permanent. Yeah. yeah, and so what were the, did you have like writing meetings, writing Fozzie's jokes? Because they're very particular in that. How, well, how yeah, we, you know, that? again, uh, no self-made man. I mean, uh, on the moment show we had five writers, great writers, Jerry Jewell, the head writer. Uh, and, and so it wasn't a situation where they would write the jokes, Jim would okay them, and maybe we had to read them. We, in the Muppet Show, which was done in London, we'd be on the floor, which is shooting, and then Jerry Jewell would be in the writer's room, but he had a direct feed. He'd see on television what we were shooting at that time, and he'd hear us. So a natural, normal process would be uh, one of us or Jim saying, Hey Jerry, can you hear me? Listen, this joke's, can you come on down? This joke's not working that quite that well. I don't think, can you help, help? And Jerry'd come down, we'd talk about it. And we tried another one. So it was that kind of a, uh, a, a collaboration, you know? But you don't do these things alone. You have writers, absolutely. Right. And of course, there's Jim. Jim always guided things. Was there ever times where you would get it and never feel you really got it right, but knew that you could go back in and loop before finished product? Or was it always right then? Never looped. Yeah. Never looped Muppet Show. Really? Never. Awesome. All uh, And the Muppet movies, uh, I think we occasionally had loop, but it was only because there was background noise. Okay. That's all. So when loop, again, looping, Yeah. because he's a pro and he doesn't care about you. <laughs> no, I just want him to come to my show later, where I explain what looping is. No, I'm kidding. Looping really means ADR, which is a short... Oh, yeah, that's saying it. Additional, <laughs> yeah, that. Additional dialogue recording. So when one shoots a, 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 an actor, for instance, if the actor had a cold that day, or laryngitis, they still have to shoot, or if there's a sound of a, a, a lawnmower in the background, they still have to shoot, then they would add ADR, additional dialogue recording. They'd add that recording months later, and it's called a loop because they used to put the, uh, the film on a loop. So he could do it over and over and over again. Is that not boring or what? <laughs> <laughs> and fun to do, isn't it? Okay. All right. Cookie Monster. Mm. Well, Cookie Monster was 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 never. There's only there's a, one particular bit on Sesame Street where he became Cookie Monster. Okay. He really was just kind of a monster that ate anything, ate ukuleles, ate chairs, ate food, anything. So he 
uh, there was one bit that John Stone, I don't think of John, but John was actually the father of Sesame And John was the writer and director. Uh, but John or Jack Moss wrote a piece, I forgot who. Uh, and after Cookie or the Monster was on for a few months, this bit came up where he was a contestant on a quiz show. And he won. And he had a choice between a Hawaiian vacation and $10,000 cash or a cookie. <laughs> and he took the cookie. <laughs> and from that point on, he became the cookie monster. And, and cookie is very sensuous and, and, and in the sense that he, he doesn't think that much. He's just rats, you know? Yeah. And, and, and uh, the great thing about him is life would be so easy for all of us if only one thing pleased us. And that's all it is. One thing pleases cookie. Is a cookie. It'd be so simple. We're complex beings. Not cookie. He just wants a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Look to the cookie. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, so you mentioned uh, before. I've heard you say that in the first. I think was it the first four years or so you didn't do voices. I was 19, and I uh, came because I told you I had so little self-esteem, and I came to uh, New York. Uh, Jim asked me to come and fly for six months. Uh, that's why I left a uh, city called an open uh, study journalism. And I, one open guy or one journalism guy? I can't be. That's the yeah, answer. One journalist guy. Open guy. Yeah. This is sad, only one. <laughs> and uh, so he asked me to come and fly for about six months. Uh, and at that time, it was just Jim Henson, Don Saline, who made the puppets, Muppets, and Jerry Jewell, who was a writer and entertainer. And he and Jim needed a fourth person to take over from Jane, his wife, who had also performed with him. And Jane had, was pregnant again, and so she had to have time with the kids. So he needed another performer. So I came on, and it was just four of us on 53rd and 2nd uh, in New York City, uh, one flight up, just two rooms, two small rooms, that's it. And uh, what we did earlier on is commercials. We would. Huh? The Troy Dragon, right? Which I don't want to talk about because I was, I was, I was in a costume like the guys out there. Yeah. Hot. But I would, I would do commercials with Jim, or we would do commercials. But I was, I, I was so scared to do any voices. Jim did the voices. I did the performing. Wow. And it took me a long time, and Jim almost gave up on me. Yeah. And finally, there was an Albert show, and he forced me. And so was it that forcing that you then kind of got And finally, what I, I remember is an old showbiz adage, and I told that to myself. I was in the dressing room, and I was going to go on, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, okay, if you can't be funny, be loud. <laughs> and it's an old adage, and that's what I was. And from that point on, it slowly came about, but I was scared to death. It's weird, isn't it? It's, but that from, from those but small people, things, you know, great things happened. When I was a kid, no, I'm just saying this. There's great things that happen from the world. Well, when I was a kid, I was in an audience like you, and I looked at these people like me, and I'm thinking, oh, geez, he's, he's most confident and successful. And, and the truth is, we go through all these struggles, you know? And it takes the struggles to, to build a character. So we're, we're no different than you guys, you know? No, we're just very, very fortunate. Lucky, lucky I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah. I, I, the last plan is lined up for me. That's it. That's it. They, they lined up for us to have you here with us and see see what I keep doing? See how I just keep putting that back on you? Isn't that nice? I'm sorry? I keep putting all this little, just, you know, these little love things on you there. Little, little love things? Little love things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. One more. You got. We got a couple seconds. How about how about my personal favorite, Grover? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I love all the characters I do, and as I said, I say you have to love the characters. But I don't love the characters. You're not going to love the characters. So I have to truly love them. And each of my characters came out a particular way because I knew it at the time I was kind of working on it. Grover just appeared. I have no idea how he happened. It was a, it was a, it was a, a puppet we used uh, in, a, in a previous special, and he was used on Sesame Street, and he eventually organically became Grover. I don't know why, but I, I, his character, you know, Grover's, Grover's, uh, he's cute, but he's wily. <laughs> You know? Oh, those restaurant scenes with him and the, the bald guy, and yeah. this guy's just trying to get his... Uh, those, yeah. That's the best comedy ever. That's yeah. Jerry Nelson, who passed away sadly. Jerry did uh, the, the Fat Blue column at the restaurant, and we get done dozens of those. It's so much fun. And the Grover, you know, the Grover thing about Grover is he tries, he tries so hard. Even the language uh, comes through that way. He doesn't use contractions. He doesn't, he doesn't say doesn't, he says does not. Because his character is he wants to be the very best. He wants to try to be the best waiter. He wants to be the best in his, and, 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 and be, be good in everything he does. You know? And that's where the language comes from. That's, that's, that's crazy. Well, hey, would you mind taking another question? Can we take another question from the audience? If I said, if I, said I would mind. It would be weird. It would be very awkward. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. But we'd all kind of go. <laughs> hey, Frank Okay. Um, Stacy from Atlanta, Georgia. Stacy, where are you? Stacy from Atlanta, Georgia, are you here? Hey! Where's she? Right over there? There she is! She's got a phone going there. Okay, hey, Stacy. Here's your question for Frank Oz. What is your favorite scene from any Muppet movie that you performed? Wow, I've never thought that question before. Uh, the favorite scene? I've just done so many. So much stuff. Um, uh, it's a good problem to have. Hey, Stacy, what's your favorite? The ending of the Muppet movie. The Muppet movie, or, or uh, which one? <laughs> the first one. You know the Muppet movie. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I was, and again, that was. Uh, uh, I was just a performer on there. That was Jim Henson. And, and uh, producing it and uh, probably directing it. Um, I guess, you know, I, I guess it depends on the characters. I, uh, there was a scene that was very challenging, but it was fun to do, and that's when Piggy in second Muppet movie, and uh, we shot in London with Charles Broden, and she danced with Charles Broden. Yes. Oh, I know, it's even more than that. I think that, that was kind of fun. But Piggy was when she was in the same movie, and she was underwater. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was challenging. That was kind of what happened was I was when I was doing Piggy, I would be underwater, I'd have my arm in the air and the water be above my head. Did you have a tank over there? No. No. No, I had a, a, a diver with a tube of oxygen. And then I had my feet wrapped around two bricks to keep me down. <laughs> Seriously? That's a good day. Seriously, hey, Frank. We've got some bricks and a pool. <laughs> and so I heard there are speakers underneath the water. This is Jim Henson. Jim did the impossible, okay? It's not me, it's Jim. Jim, 
skip just going underwater at sea, sure. So when I heard action from the underground speakers, uh, in the pool speakers, and the music started, which I could hear the speakers, uh, I spit the, I took a deep breath, I spit out the tube, and I performed the take, and when the he said cut, then the guy came with the tube and gave him more oxygen. It's like a little treat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was terrible though is I was in that pool. It was the summer. It was winter, and the pool was very hot inside the TV studio, the movie studio, and it was very humid. And as soon as I went home, it was snowing outside. But inside, I was there for two weeks under the water, and I got an earache, and I went to the doctor, and he pulled something out of my ear. I'm telling you, it was creepy. You could have made a character out of it. I'm not sure if that's my favorite, but these are the most challenging. I guess it's more challenging, and the challenging ones are always my favorite. Yeah, no, that is fantastic. Okay, well, we would be completely with that. That was fantastic. We're ready to have your face and the thing from your ear. I'd be remiss if I did not mention who you've been talking about, Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. Yeah, Piggy is, is interesting. She's the uh, she's more developed Walmart character. She is layered. She's um she she was she was just again like Rupert. She was kind of nondescript puppet we used in a in a special before. And she with other pigs puppets came on the set. And, uh, pigs in Space was written because we had these pigs. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, I'm here, I'm here getting the credit, but it's Jerry Jewell wrote it, and other writers, and Jim Henson, all that stuff. But Piggy came about once, there was a, there was a chorus, actually Richard Hunt, who did Scooter, uh, other things, brilliant, passed away. He had Richard, he had Piggy first. And uh, it was about, I don't know, two, or th two episodes in, and there was a rehearsal where Piggy was supposed to slap Kermit. And for some unknown reason, I don't know why, I karate chopped him. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. And so that all of a sudden became Piggy for me because the, the duality. And, 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 and I asked Richie, is it okay if I take over? He said, sure. And, you know, she is, she is very... Uh, She's very feminine on the outside because she's a truck driver inside. <laughs> you know that, that she has a little curly Q Miss Piggy autograph, you yeah. know, which took her weeks to, to practice <laughs> to do. But she is a, you know, I have a backstory on character. Piggy's backstory is she was, she's, a, well, first of all, she's highly ambitious. And she would do anything to become a star. Absolutely. But more than that, she wants her frog. Because the frog is her one magnificent obsession. Uh, and uh, I don't want to go, I can go on and on. No, it's, it's on. so strange. Anyway, there's a, there's a whole backstory about Piggy I can tell you. Well, you know, for, for sake of time, we, we really must get to one other character that we're forgetting, and that is Yoda. We see Yoda. So you mentioned um, that you know Jim Henson originally was approached about Yoda, and then it comes to you, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, George Lucas. They present to you this character, and 
this backwards talk and all that, and then you're able to take this character and turn him into something, but how do you perceive Yoda now? Even now, looking back at him, who is Yoda to you? And he's a... He's somebody who uh, feels a tremendous responsibility. He has a tremendous responsibility to the Force, to the Jedi, to the Muppet, to the, 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 um, the, 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 not the Muppet, the, um, <laughs> to, 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 to the language, because the language he speaks now, in my opinion, is the language the Jedi spoke six, seven hundred years ago. He's trying to keep that language alive. All these other guys are just kind of talking colloquially. So he feels the responsibility to keep that language alive because he's the last one. He feels the responsibility to make sure the Jedi training is at the quality it's always been and not lax. He's make sure that the, the, the force is remembered and felt in a way that it's always been felt. felt. Because you know when you're when you're only as young as Luke is, you don't really understand the the background of the force, the back, the depth of it. And he's the only one who really knows that. So he feels a tremendous responsibility. That's, that, and he, he, on the other hand, has to be a bit human or have human qualities. So I love, I think I said this yesterday, I, I love opposites. So he also is flawed. I mean, I love characters who are powerful and they're petty. And I love petty people who all of a sudden pony up and become powerful and courageous. So Yoda is very powerful, but as I said yesterday, this is how I imagine it. If he sees a candy dish and there's a last candy there, he wants that candy. <laughs> He's petty that way. You know, I mean, he, can, he has the responsibility of um, everybody, but he wants that candy. <laughs> and that, it, it just gives a little, a, little, a little bit of humanity to him, you know? And, and on that note, like, We'll do another one here, another question from the audience. Lauren from Orlando, Florida. Lauren, where are you? Right here, right in the front. Hey, Lauren. Who's for Lauren? Right here. Hey, you. <laughs> Here's the question. What is the biggest Yoda blooper or something that really made you laugh on set, something that really happened that was fun and funny? You know, it, it, it's funny. When I, do Yoda, when I do the Muppets, I'm performing. It's a whole different thing. My intent is to get a laugh, whether the audience is there or not. I have an internal clock, internal timing, but I'm hoping to get a laugh. Yoda, it's not that way. Yoda, I work and I trust the script. I looked at, I, I'm more of an actor there. So I, I really don't break up when I'm Yoda. The only time I, I said this yesterday, I cracked up, is when Kirsch was directing, and forgive me for those of you here yesterday, but it's, it's the only time I can remember I cracked up with Yoda was when Kirsch was directing Yoda, they were Irwin Kirshner, who uh, directed Empire Strikes Back, and passed away. Uh, the set of Dagobah was built up about five feet. And that is because, in part, to have the water for the spaceship, but in great part, because I had to be underneath. And I, I was underneath, and I, could, I couldn't hear very well. Uh, you know, and... and uh, I had a monitor, but I but and I heard Kirsch giving directions, and, he, and I, I realized he was giving directions to Yoda. <laughs> and I cracked up and said, "I shouted, Kirsch, you got to talk to me." 
But that's, that's what, what you're gonna remember. Yeah, that's what makes him so real. That's what makes him so beloved to all of us because he was even that real to Kirsch. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's wonderful. That's what one hopes for when one does a character to 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 uh, to have the person. I have to believe in it, and, and and I'm hoping that as a result of that, and from what I do, that other people believe in. That's that's the joy. You know? So. Is there anything within your career that you've never got to do that you would like to do at this point? Or do you really feel like, gosh, I've had so many wonderful, I mean, it's like the life of Riley here, really. I mean, you know, because it's just a, a blessed life you get to do these things. Well, as a, as a puppeteer, I've pretty, done, pretty much done most things. I always love the chapter of characters, and that's a different thing. I mean, I, if I was given an opportunity to do characters, that's a blast. Yeah, that's great. So I'd love to always be doing characters, but I, I haven't puppeteered for about eight, nine years. Uh, as a director, I, I love doing more things. But I, as, I guess it's more as a director, I love doing more theater. Yeah, more theater, more theater. stage work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I am just thrilled to have had this time, this conversation. I guess you would say instant reaction post report of the Frank Oz uh, conversation with Frank Oz show. I'm sure I'll have a better explanation of my feelings in the studio, but uh, what a fantastic show. Seemed like it was one that was just uh, made, custom made for me. This talks about getting past your self esteem, being a performer, working as a group with a group. Nobody does it alone, which is what I always say about Neo's as. Everyone's as big a part of it as I am. Uh, and then just a ton about the Muppets. I mean, how can I not love that? And then some great stuff with Yoda. So I'll probably be better able to express myself in the studio, but I wanted to get a post, uh, 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 was it an instant reaction posting like I've been doing all day. So fantastic, fantastic, fantastic show. Well worth waiting in the line in the sun for an hour and 45 minutes. In fact, I feel no ill effects of that now because it was such a good show. And I am now headed home after a very successful day at Star Wars Weekends. I was really actually surprised after the way I started the day that I got to do everything I wanted to. I really did think I was getting a cold. Luckily, looks like it was a big false alarm with allergies, so I feel great right now, actually. So, got a great spot on the parade, took way too many pictures. I do that all the time. I go to these things and I take hundreds of pictures, maybe even thousands in some cases, and I don't I just sit on my computer. I put like 10 of them on Facebook, but oh, I'm not a photographer, so I guess maybe it takes me, maybe I have like a 1 to 100 ratio to get 10 good pictures. But anyway, the Frank Oz thing I recorded, oh, I, I hope it comes out. It was so good. The conversation with Frank Oz, it was just so good. It was just I said in my instant reaction it felt like it was tailor made for me specifically so I certainly hope it comes out I'm looking forward to sharing that in fact I probably would have shared it at this point I hope it was 
I hope everyone liked it as much as I did. Um, that's really it. Uh, quick thanks to Scott Rifen and Scott Gardner for inviting me in the first place and then putting the idea in my head to come out a second time and see this, the Frank Oz thing, experience this once-in-a-lifetime moment. And uh, so thank you to those guys. And check out their coverage on Two True Freaks. I think it's going to be on an episode Earning My Ears. If it's not Earning My Ears, it's Growing Up Star Wars. It's at twotruefreaks.com. Also join their Facebook group. They're a lot of fun. And uh, hear what the uh, first weekend report I did in this special from their perspective. That's Those are the guys I was with the whole time I recorded. So they're going to have a lot of different recordings that I didn't uh, get to share and actually didn't record on myself so check it out it's kind of a companion episode and they're always good for an entertaining show for sure no matter no matter what so that's it uh that is it for this live coverage whatever you want to call this i still don't know what to call these shows i do these for just about every show we do i'm doing it for the halloween hard night show this uh Halloween, I do it for running events, and I say they're live, but they're not because they're not being live transmitted, so it's just a, don't know what term to call it, recorded live, I guess? And we'll call it that. So this is it for my recorded live coverage of Star Wars Weekend 2015. It was a great time. Thanks to everyone that joined me. Thanks to everyone that listened to this and joined me virtually, and I think that's it. I'm not even going to go to the studio for a wrap-up, so we're going to wrap it up right here as I'm driving. So thanks always to everyone for their support and for their listening, and we will see you next week with another regular episode of the Star Wars in Character podcast. Thanks for listening to Star Wars in Character. Star Wars in Character is part of the NeoZaz.com network of podcasts. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, please visit www.neozaz.com. Star Wars in Character is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox. Star Wars and all Star Wars universe characters, places, or Star Wars related items are the copyright of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Visit www.swic.neozaz.com for the latest Star Wars in character episodes and information. 